Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey everyone and welcome back to the Priest of Dispatchers podcast. The episode you're about to listen to is episode 13 in the After Dinner Chat series. This episode was fantastic. It features Matthew Gill, prophet, seer, revelator, and translator from the restored branch of Jesus Christ. It was recorded on the 21st of January, 2022. If you like what you hear, please hit the like button, subscribe, share with your friends, and leave a review. Here is the 21st of January, 2022. And I think we're all past the new year. Um, Malays back into work, raring to go. And tonight is going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, before we get started, if you're new to the channel, please like and subscribe. If you are returning, please share the channel with your friends. Uh, this evening, we've got a very special guest who we'll get to in one moment. Um, if you feel that you can uh, contribute to the channel, you feel that uh, you enjoy this programming, then please consider uh, leaving a tip using the QR code in the top corner there or the link in the description below. Um, so tonight's guest, um, as has been advertised all over the internet this week, we are having prophet and first elder of the restored branch of Jesus Christ Church uh, right here in Derbyshire in the UK. And that's Matthew P. Gill. And uh, I'll bring him in now. Hi, Matthew. How are you doing? Hello. Very well. Thank you. Good stuff. Uh, Good thanks so much for being with us tonight. We have um, yeah, a plethora of information to get through uh, this evening. So it's going to be a whistle-stop tour because there is so much around this um, and so much to get through that, yeah, we're, we're going to touch on a lot of topics. We're going to look at uh, uh, the modern-day scripture of the Chronicles of the Children of Aranak where that comes from, what the translation process was, what it actually consists of, and what it means for the restoration movement in the 21st century. So we'll begin where we always begin, birth. Well, I guess there's some questions about that, isn't there? But we're going to begin with uh, your temporal um, beginning here on Earth. Um, so you were born in Derby, uh, but moved no, south. I was, born, I was born in Birmingham. You were born in Birmingham. Oh, you're a Brummy lad. Are you a blue nose? No. People won't know that <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Doug Vincent already chimed in. Doug, you have God to thank because uh, he said he already liked a name better than the Book of Mormon. Um, the, the name was uh, commanded by God. So there you go. Uh, so, yeah, born in Birmingham, grew up uh, sometime in Derby. Then in um, Tamworth, which is about half an hour, 45 minutes south of Derby, right in the middle of England. Um, and you had a pretty much a normal uh, kind of cookie cutter Mormon upbringing. Parents right. were both active in the church. Right. So, yeah, I mean, um, as you say, born in Birmingham, um, raised in Tamworth. 
and um, stayed in Tamworth until I went on my mission. And then, of course, we moved to Derbyshire. But my, my upbringing is pretty much like you said, a, a, a cookie-cutter Mormon. Uh, my parents were both members. I was born into the LDS church, baptised at eight, um, you know, attended primary, youth programme. Um, I mean, everything everything's probably the same as most members up until uh, I went on my mission, really. So. Yeah, well... You went on your mission, but previous to your mission in yep. your youth. Um, so I'm going to, I guess, give the brief account and okay. then we'll allow you to expand upon upon what happened there. Um, so uh, to set the scene, Matthew's 12 years of age and hasn't yet read uh, the complete Book of Mormon, which is no um, great sin when I was 12 I don't think I read so I was on my mission properly <laughs> so um you decided it was time to read it and figure it out for yourself right um so you you went to bed you told your dad you took some snacks with you and you said yeah right I'm gonna read it all night like all 12 year olds do you just like I'm gonna do it I don't care what you say um and I'll let you tell us what happened next yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I was just, obviously, I, I'd read parts of the Book of Mormon, as you do in primary, don't you? And uh, I'd just moved into the youth program, so you, your scripture load becomes slightly more exaggerated than the primary program. So I was just very curious about reading the whole thing through for myself, and I just made a decision. I took one of the blue, blue back Book of Mormon, you know, the old thick blue ones, yeah, and off the family bookshelf and said to my dad, I'm going to go read this. Um, and then I think I'm going to read the whole thing like most enthusiastic kids do, you know, not knowing how hard this is going to be. Um, so um, my dad was all for it. And he said, right, well, I'll make sure you don't get disturbed. You know, you've got time to yourself. So, you know, took snacks and drink and, 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 and basically uh, read most of that day. I mean, I've never had trouble reading, so it wasn't like a big chore. Um and I read, I mean, all the, I mean, I read through most of the day, um, you know, bathroom breaks and stuff and, you know, moving about. But um, I got through a fair chunk uh, of the Book of Mormon. Um, and then I decided, then I decided to stop. Um, I can't remember where, but I decided to stop. I think it might have been just before uh third nephi maybe and i i just had enough and said you know enough's enough it's getting late on wrecked <laughs> so you know i'm gonna go to bed and as i went to get up to go and you know turn all the lights out and whatnot i noticed i couldn't move from my bed and uh it felt like a a, a weight on my chest and uh i couldn't breathe properly and i, I it, it was very uncomfortable and I was really shocked, and I just, I just basically said, you know, God help me, <laughs> get help me out of here. So um, that 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 lifted, and I got up, and uh, and then I said, well, yeah, you know, I'm going to read this thing through. And uh, I mean, I, I would say I finished like into the next morning, and um, uh, it wasn't really a a big chore for me so um 
And then, of course, after I'd read it, I prayed about it as I was instructed to do, okay. or as Maruna instructs you to do. And um, that's when I had the experience. And I noticed as, as I was praying that the room began to get lighter. And uh, I, 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 know, I, I, I noticed, well, I didn't notice it. I felt, I felt a brightness coming from the right side of the room an intense brightness and um that's when i opened my eyes and saw uh descending from just out of like a like a portal i suppose just descending the angel uh, or an angel didn't know who it was until he, he was in the room and i saw he was holding the plates the golden plates uh and um that's when he started to talk to me and instructed me to come and and and, and uh, feel and, and move the plates, which which I did. And uh, the last thing he basically said to me was, um, "One day, one day you're going to have a work to do similar to to Joseph, who who, who bought this for." Okay. And and uh, you know I'm only twelve, so I. At the time, I don't think that sunk in as much as it did later on in life. But um, and then and then of course after that was done, he told me to behave myself, be a good boy, you know, uh, don't don't do anything that would compromise my morality or anything like that. Uh, and then and then and then he he went and the light gathered in around the the angel and he ascended back the way he came and I was left in the room and. Uh, after I'd gathered myself from that experience, I can't tell you how long it was. Um, I went to see my dad and told my and I was knocking on his door, Dad, you know, this has happened, Dad, you know, and we had a chat and we decided um that I would tell my bishop. So I did. And uh apart from a few people, very few people, I didn't really tell anybody it was it was like it was more like my dad recommended we tell the bishop because he was the bishop you know what i mean yeah um and and i didn't really i mean i told i i told a few people but i didn't bandy it about it wasn't something i was going oh look at me you know so it wasn't like that it was a very it was a very special uh spiritual experience that i didn't want everybody else to be jumping on the bandwagon of and go, oh you know well, this isn't true. Well, I did anyway later, but at the time, as a twelve-year-old, you just don't want to hear that. Um, okay. So that's pretty much it, really. We we'll just take we take a step back, right. and if we take Mormonism out of the equation in this whole experience, did anyone suggest that uh, there might be? Uh, a psychological element to this at that time because the the culture of mormonism makes that seem not so nuts if you know what i mean but right. in the world in the world outside mormonism right they would send you to a doctor well yeah you know what well, i mean I was, yeah, yeah was i mean there anything no i mean i, I as I, I certainly didn't tell 
my non-religious friends and I had plenty of non-religious friends who I went to school with I certainly didn't tell them about it I, I was conscious at the time obviously this isn't something that happens to everybody every day although as you say in 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 Mormonism at that time as I knew at the LDS church uh, angelic angelic visitations and ministrations are spoken of all the time it's something that you know you you knew was could be a possibility not that you thought about it any, any time and I certainly didn't tell anybody outside my religious uh, sphere about it because you as even then you know even as a kid that you're going to get ridiculed oh he's lost his mind or whatever um so um no i didn't that didn't really happen didn't really okay. okay so that's what is classed as your first vision uh, right. when it comes to church and for anyone um wondering in the description below there's a link to several things there's a link to the restored branch of jesus christ website where you can find all this information uh where i've sourced most of the information um as any church would say where's the best place to get the information on the church's website lds church's website it's a bit suspect but there's also a link to uh the restored branch of jesus christ youtube channel so you can watch some of the videos uh, that Matthew's put up there with some of his sermons where he speaks about the translation process in more depth than we'll probably get into this evening. Um, and there's also a link to a Google Drive, and that's my Google Drive. And I've popped in there um, just a couple of resources for you to follow along with this evening. Uh, one is a map uh, that we're going to look at in a little while when we talk about the journey of Jerinac. Hopefully I've got it right. We'll be corrected if not. Um, and another are the the show notes for tonight. I thought I'd put them in there because I spent about three days writing them. So you can you can all see um, if we don't get through all the detail, it's it's all in that folder. Um, or if Matthew wants to look back later and see uh, my heresy, um, then it's it's all there. Okay. So moving on, you uh, you've had this vision when you're twelve. Your priesthood leader has asked you to be quiet, uh, yes. and you've you've spoken with your dad about it, and you've not been given any particular instruction other than to um, just wait, right. await uh, further instructions. So yeah. you carry on with your uh, Mormon life, go on a mission, Dublin, Ireland. Which year was right. what years? Which year did you go? Ninety-seven, December ninety-seven. Okay, cool. I've got 96, but that's because my private investigator is um, dyslexic, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> that's me. So, uh, 97, <laughs> you go on your mission to Dublin, Ireland, and then following that, uh, you meet your wonderful wife. Yes. I, yes. When I came back off my mission, I went to work for the distribution centre in Birmingham, in, in Garrett's Green road or lane whatever it's called okay. and uh, and i met her whilst i was working in the lds distribution center yeah okay and continued on to get married uh full yep. temple marriage yep. and we're we're just living the standard mormon the life standard LDS dream, yeah. <laughs> the standard lds dream we're living yeah yeah we're we're married we're we're enthusiastic um and uh we're trying to make a family and you know we're doing all the right stuff so yeah cool. and i'm just waiting 
and and to be fair um uh i i didn't really give much thought to to when it was going to happen it was just always in the back of my mind but it wasn't really at the forefront of my mind okay and just before we move on um mark johnson's asking were there any inside stories for working for the church and the distribution center oh yeah <laughs> any that spring to mind oh good grief uh it, health and safety never occurred in the distribution center warehouse where i was i, I was driving i was driving a forklift and um playing pranks and stuff health and safety rules aren't required garments are bulletproof <laughs> yeah. Um, uh... Yeah. Oh, there was all, and there was all kinds of waste. I mean, uh, ev like every couple of months or so, you go through all the all the all the stuff that wasn't relevant anymore, and you chuck it in the big green bins. And like you'd spend like half an hour after work and finish going through the bins. Like you could take scriptures, pictures. Oh, it was like a free for all. It was nuts. Okay. Well, moving on from that. Because DJ Norman has asked, has uh, Prophet Gill met Joseph Smith? And we are about to get there. Um, so we're, we're going to speak about two more visions, uh, DJ. But um, yeah, that, that answer to that in short is yes, but we're about to find out how. So we come to October 2005. Right. Um, for your second vision, where you meet the angel Raphael for the first time. Right. So, so leading up to uh, that visitation, um, uh, I prayed that night. Um, just basic stuff like, am I doing everything I should be doing? Am am I am I reading the right things? Am I on this path? Am I am I still worthy of attaining whatever it is I'm ready to attain at some future point? And uh, and that night, that that visitation happened. And um, during that visitation, um, I was told that um, there were yes, don't worry, it's going to happen. It's going to come forth. However. There are certain there are some things that you need to do and um i was given some scriptures to read um that night and and subsequent other uh um visitations i was told to read other things um, um i was told to read section 20 doctrine and covenants Third Nephi, um, I was told to um, um, get hold of an inspired version of the Bible, which, I mean, let's, I, I'll be totally honest, I, I had no idea, apart from the, the little sections in the LDS scriptures, that there was even an inspired version of the Bible to get my hands on. When you say the inspired version, we're talking about the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible right right the complete yeah. the complete and i i had no idea that 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 even existed i knew there were sections because you know we we have them or the lds have them in uh, sections in the pearl of great price right right so i knew they had sections but i was totally unaware that they had like a, a proper 
book, not the complete book. And so, um, anyway, I, I, I got hold of that and I, I was told to read the first seven chapters of the, of the inspired version of the Bible, compare them to what I was reading at the time, see where the differences were, why there were differences. And I was asked to do, not just on that one visit, on subsequent visits, different things. So I was learning and, and growing over the period of time before uh, uh, um, July 2006, uh, when I uh, saw Christ and Joseph Smith. So between October 2005 and the 12th of July 2006, it was just a learning process. Okay. Well, let's, is, the let's... is, the is the sacrament being conducted properly? Do you know that? And, 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 stuff like that. and I know that was that was almost the uh, the shelf breaker for you, the sacrament. Right. So in in watching uh, a video where you're having a conversation with your dad about leaving church, is that previous to your third vision? Is that in this in between time? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that, I know you say you were you were in. Um, the normal LDS church meeting at the Derby Chapel partook right. of the sacrament, right. but you were particularly, I guess, aggrieved about what was happening with the sacrament. And you had right. to... I was, yeah, I was attending. I was while these visitations are going on, I was still attending church. And every and, and the more and more I attended church, the more and more I was told to go and read stuff, the more and more and more problems I would find and become agitated about and the, the 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 icebreaker for me was that sacrament meeting i remember it like it was yesterday we were on the pew on the right hand side of the chapel i was right next to the wall so it was hard for me to get out of that meeting because all my, my parents and my wife and my you know my my kids my, my boy was there so um and they were doing the sacrament and the 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 I knew straight away that it wasn't right. Something, something said to me, "This isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right." And it just kept playing on my mind. I thought, "I can't stay in here anymore. I've got to get out of the room." So I got out of the room, went into the corridor, and uh, my dad came out after me, uh, after and came to me. He said, "What's what's going on? What's what's wrong?" And I, and I told him, and I said, "Look, you know, look at this section. Look at this section. You're telling me that we're doing this. You're telling me they're doing that right now." all he could say to me was i don't know and i said well i said to him well they're obviously not doing it and i just can't be a part of something that isn't scripturally um accurate or fulfilling so, so looking back what was it what was it well, they it were was doing the fact, that it wasn't was the fact, it, it was the fact that the teachers and deacons were administering the sacrament which i know now which i which i know not to be the proper thing to be doing Okay. Scriptures, well, scriptures are pretty clear on it. So, what, what's the what's the correct way? Because for me, well, the, I've I've only ever grown up with that way. So, right. what what's the correct way? Well, the doctrine and covenants. I think it's section twenty. Um, I don't want to get the scriptures out and rifle through them now. But in That's section fine. twenty, it tells you who should be administering the sacrament, and the the elders of the church should be administering the sacrament. And it says quite clearly that the teachers and the deacons should not be administering sacrament. Um, the priests can, because it says so in there, but not teachers and deacons. It's quite clear in the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants, and it's quite clear if you go back and look at early church history. I mean, I'm, I'm 
I know this now. At the time, I was just looking at the scriptures. If you go back and look at early church history, that just didn't happen. The teachers and the deacons weren't anywhere near the sacrament until like, you know, the, the, the 20s. So um, for, for me at the time, it was, it, it was scripturally inaccurate. This is what I've been told to look for anyway. Okay. And it was just it was just reinforcing what I've been told. And uh, it was now plainly obvious to me that something as, as crucial and as constructive as a sacrament wasn't even being done correctly. Okay. Fair enough. So from that point on, you didn't go back. No. Um, and you resigned from the church. Uh, so no one, no one can be under any illusion that the church hunted you down and kicked you out. You oh, chose no, no. to take control and uh, resign from the church um, and continue on this journey. So we get to the third vision, which I call this the, the big one, in right. July, July 2006. Yeah. Uh, tell us briefly about that. The 12th of July 2006. Um, it happened, it, the, the, the same format, Raphael appeared to me and um, um, took me to um, a place which I later found about it was a uh, they called it the temple in heaven but it's not it's not it's not forget about your LDS perspective of the temples it's nothing like that it took me to a, a place and um, in that place in that that visitation I for the first time ever in my life saw christ and um and i saw joseph smith and um i saw another person there who i didn't know uh, which would later come to it, it was jaranek who was there Okay. Oh yeah, I had a conversation with Christ, and um, I was very aware while speaking to him that I was speaking to him as somebody who wasn't sinless. You know, I was a sinner. I I I felt uneasy about that until he told me that that that's not a problem. Um, um, uh, I forgive you of anything you've done wrong, um, but I'm really I'm really here just to introduce you to. Joseph Smith and and be a conduit for that. Um, and then I, I saw Joseph Smith and uh, spoke with Joseph for a short period, and uh, he laid hands on me, and um, and then the prophet Jaronek laid hands on me, and that in in tiny is the essence of the vision. Okay. And what what did they bless you with? Okay, so um, Joseph Smith, basically, without going too in depth, because we'd be here all night, told me that I now had from him um, authority or permission. I think is a better word um, to uh, act as a uh, as a prophet that um the mantle of a prophet was now upon me through him uh and then uh Jaranek, who then placed hands on me basically told me that 
that his record was going to come through me and that he was basically blessing me that, that, that that's okay i i accept this you now have authority from me to take my take my record and do something worthwhile with it so um i know that's really bare bones but that's pretty much pretty much okay, no no that's yeah. fine um so what did jesus do nothing um uh <laughs> Well, I was saying nothing. I mean, you know, this I did feel with a cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, this is Christ we're talking about, isn't it? So, uh, for me, um, just the fact that I was able to see Jesus okay. and to to be in His presence at that time and still now, as I think about it, is enough for me. And for Him to say to me that, um, you know, you you can be in my presence. Uh, as as a as a mortal man um uh with all of your uh sins and burdens you can still be here we can still ch chat we can still talk we can still be in each other's company um i won't i won't go as as far as to say that um like he, he forgave all my sins or anything like that but it was just mm -hmm. that um it, it was the opportunity to meet him and okay. to be in his presence. Um, and then, of course, as I said, it, it was just, he introduced Joseph. It wasn't like, it was like a, a format. Christ came and spoke to me. Then he introduced Joseph. Joseph didn't introduce himself. He waited for Jesus to introduce him. And then Jesus introduced this, oh, not Jesus, Joseph introduced the other guy who I didn't really know who he was at the time. Um that, that 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 bare bones is pretty much it really without diving into the i mean you know. yeah it's like a, a fantastic tongue twister i'm at with jesus jesus joseph and jarinek right right, right. <laughs> yeah, i mean and i can understand how, how wild that sounds to loads and loads and loads of people look like, you know i've been dealing with um uh, people saying this is crazy this is this can't happen oh for, for years now so you know, it's nothing new for me Okay, well, as long as you're used to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, no, gotta be. I'm, I'm, I'm dressed in red because I'm the devil's advocate tonight. Right. But here's a question that just, just came left field, uh, unplanned question: Was Jesus Middle Eastern? Like, was he um, white guy with blue you eyes, mean, did he, or right, was right. he? Did he um, appear of, to me? Well, right. was was he of Middle Eastern descent, like uh, um, an Arab from Jerusalem? I've got to be careful here because what are we talking about? Christ in the human form or Christ in his resurrected form? So no is the answer. He didn't appear to me as a as a as a uh, as well, a. No, the, the, in, the interesting thing in the answer then is, does everyone who's not white become white in their resurrected form? I wouldn't know. Um, I, we're playing on. Uh, when we talk about white, are we talking about skin color? Yeah, like like ourselves. No, I don't. Caucasian. No, I don't believe. It. I, I, no, I mean, I, I, no, is the answer. Okay. I don't think. I don't think the skin color argument is is uh, appropriate or relevant. I don't okay. think it makes any sense. No. Okay. No. So, you've been given this permission, as you say. Now, would you compare it to the the usual trope from LDS is the keys of 
this dispensation or the keys of the priesthood? Where are no, they? No, no, no. Uh, this is, re I mean, no is the answer. I was just told by Joseph that I could now um, uh, go forth from his presence, knowing that he was once a prophet and he's, as he was, as he was the last prophet um, in the restoration era, that um, I could now be given the mantle of being a prophet from him. There were no, all these, all this stuff about uh, keys and authority, that, that, that's, that's all LDS stuff that um, I have, I don't, I don't subscribe to. Well, I, not, in I, the, not in the, not in the manner that, that the LDS do. I compare it to uh, the meeting with Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery in the Kirtland Temple when right. the prophets from previous dispens dispensations came through and handed them their keys so right. that Joseph held um, the keys for the fullness of times. Right. Uh, but also on that, um, you exclude that revelation from your doctrine and covenants so on one side of it in the doctrine and covenants uh, in the kirtland temple there are those keys right supposedly okay right then so having summarized um a lot of what i'm trying to get to is having watched a lot of you um, not not in a sexy or creepy way. No, no, that must be very I promise. disturbing. I promise. Um, you don't believe there's any ultimate authority. You don't believe any church has ultimate authority uh, when it comes to priesthood. And I think in one of your videos, you said you would be happy receiving a blessing from a priesthood holder from the LDS church. Okay? Yeah, any, um, any organization within the Restoration that yeah. they all have elements of truth. Okay, so there's no one true church. You're not saying no. your your church is the only true church. Definitely what not. you're saying is that the, uh, and we'll, we'll get to this a little bit later, that the restoration is a, a shattered um, mess. Right. Um, and that there's no one true prophet. Right. Yeah, uh, I don't believe in one prophet, one dispensation at one time nonsense, because the scriptures aren't are just not like that. Okay, so what does that mean? I guess you like what's your mission? If there's okay. if it's if it's not to raise one true church, it's not to administer one true priesthood, and it's right. not to be a single true prophet. What right. is your mission in this this time? Okay, so um, my overriding mission from as I understood it at the time and still do, was to uh, take possession of the records of Jaranek and to translate them, to publish them, to disseminate them, to fill the world as much as I possibly could with the means at my disposal uh, uh, to, to anybody who wishes to read them. Uh, I, think, I think prophets are given different jobs, different things to do in different areas of the world. Uh, they have different things they need to achieve. For me, it was uh, uh, speaking to Christ, speaking uh, uh, and, and, and telling people of that 
receiving revelation from Christ of uh, and and of course the the, the plates and uh, pushing pushing that pushing that. So if the LDS Church adopted the the chronicles of the children of Aranek into yeah. the scriptural canon, would your right. job be complete? Would my job be complete if they add it into their if, no if they, if they adopted it and and took it um right. as so you've been told to bring it forth obviously yeah. you'd continue to to preach it but hypothetically if right. they accepted it into the canon and yeah. and accepted uh you know all of your visions would you then kind of go with them because no. you were asked no okay no no because if i did that that would be like that would be that would be me going back on everything i've ever said about there being a one true faith because just because one other just because another organization decides to look at it and go we'll adopt that into our canon of scripture um doesn't make them any truer or more important than any other organization within the restoration it just means that they've accepted another canon of scripture into their religious beliefs okay i certainly wouldn't i certainly wouldn't see it as a as a vindication or a completion of the work definitely not okay well i'm not working but as, that, them, as, that, so... as that's not likely to happen I'm not <laughs> I'd, I'd i'd agree with you there wholeheartedly uh mark johnson asked and the reason i uh, bring this one up is because i know as well um from you you regret putting things on youtube because i watched it all uh, <laughs> you'll see your views have gone up this week <laughs> uh the community of christ so we, we were speaking about this restoration and that there's priesthood authority still out there in the restoration but yeah. you don't see the community of christ as being part of that restoration anymore no no i don't no that's the answer i don't i, I think the community of christ have embraced certain religious aspects that are uh diametrically opposed to uh the restoration to joseph smith uh i mean i don't know i mean they don't they don't believe the book of mormon is actually scripture uh so that's very diff no it's very difficult when you when you're taking a a, a keystone element of a religion and saying well it's not really scripture it's just a good book to read uh well you know to be fair to be fair, Tom Sawyer's a great book. What it does is it puts the Book of Mormon into a into a, a category of just any other good book, and um, I think they've sold themselves out. But that that's just my personal opinion. Cool. Well, here's here's another cat amongst the pigeons. Okay. So you can have a blessing from someone from the LDS Church. Right. Does my LDS baptism count? Oh well, yeah, rebaptism stuff like that, right? Okay, good, 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 good question. We don't require rebaptism. Oh, don't you? As... I thought you did. No, no, we. Well, this is when we when. I mean, I've got to shift back a bit here because I'm talking about this, the organisation of the branch, and um, I yeah. am, I am, um, not closed to being told that some things that i might have believed in in the past um uh can be challenged um 
when I when when I first left the LDS Church and we started out on this journey, uh, I naturally thought that rebaptism would be a necessary thing. So, um, but over time and conversations with God and uh, other people, um, I've come to realise that um, it's not necessary. Um, and I haven't required rebaptism for a while, okay. for a long time. Okay. I mean, well, it's not it's not like a new thing that's just happened last year. It's been a, a long while. Uh, well, no. We had we had some people join back in, I want to say, 2013, because it was a while ago now. And I was very keen because they asked me about the baptism issue, and I was very keen to point out to them I don't require it. But if you want to be rebaptized, I have no trouble doing that. But it's not a requirement for you to become uh, um, a member or uh, for you to get involved. So. Okay. Well, no, that's that's um, good to know because I know that, um, like you say, at the beginning there were rebaptisms, which is why I mm -hmm. assumed that mm -hmm. that was still a uh, a thing. Mm -hmm. right. But yeah, no, it's good to uh, to see that. We are moving forward. Bear me one moment. I'm just about to try and kick some spammer out of the chat. Sorry, guys, for whoever Loveface XYZ is. Um, technical. So whilst I keep doing that, there was a question from Ben Vickery, and that was when all of this was going on and you were setting up your own church, and right. not that you were told to set up your own church, but that that just kind of happened around it because there needed right. to be somewhere to meet. There needed to be somewhere right. to continue um, practicing the ordinances of the restored gospel as you saw them. Um, what did your work colleagues think? Um, I, I never, I didn't really discuss it no? with, 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 with um, work colleagues. Um, it's just not something that I mean. You, you, I don't. I didn't go into a, a a a business meeting and suddenly start talking about angels and God. I mean, I was too busy trying to too busy trying to make money, you know, um, and keep 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 a roof over our heads. So no, it's, it's never cropped up really. It's never okay. been an issue. Awesome. And when you did set up the church, there was um, quite a, a quick and heavy lawsuit that came your way. Because the original name of the church, correct me if I'm wrong, was the Latter Day Church of Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they didn't like that. No, no. Um, in fact, um, when we when we organised a branch, um, I want to say like October of 2006. Right. Uh, we went ages and ages and ages and ages without any problem with uh, legal issues from anybody. And then, um, was it 2014, 2015, something like that. Uh, 2014, probably about right. I've got this, I get this, this contact from the LDS Church, I think it's around that date, uh, telling me, I, I mean, it was a massive envelope, you know, it was like this thick. Uh, uh, just telling me to to uh, take down the website, stop using certain things. So uh, we obviously weren't going to take it lying down. 
so we we took legal advice and we fought our corner as you would we spoke directly with uh somebody in salt lake um at some point and they okay. said no we're not, we're not prepared to back down and we said okay well we'll have to take legal advice and we did and it cut a lot very very long story short we came to an agreement and so far touch wood that agreement's standing up on our end anyway so okay you do have the disclaimer on the front page of your website to make, yeah, make yeah, it very clear um, yeah. that you are not associated with them and i assume that was something to do with uh kind of keeping that clear yeah, delineation I mean, it, was, there. it was yeah i mean basically you know we we had to make sure uh that we covered our end and and made sure that anyone who interacted with the website and it seemed big red letters on me you can't really miss it that that we have absolutely no affiliation with the lds church at all uh and um uh all, all i would say about that point that that period in time is it was very stressful um but uh we we came out with terms that we could we could all parties could live with so okay um okay well let's look now at the standard works um within the restored branch right because uh, i know that this was something that the church was trying to get you to cease and desist on and not using the book of mormon right um because it was their ball and they were taking it home right um they, they did you... something they did they did they did something here that they couldn't they can't possibly do in america see in america it's gone it's been tried in a court of law and the the book of mormon is public domain and anybody can use anybody can print it um, it doesn't belong to anybody uh, but that's not the case here in uh, europe and so we fell foul of european legislation not american legislation which i was unaware of at the time and everybody else that was involved we were all unaware of it that they've managed to do something here that they couldn't possibly do in america uh, and, and one of those things was you know you can't use the book of mormon and we just couldn't accept that you know no. so anyway so, so now you use um the restored covenant edition of the book yep. of mormon which yep. is taken directly from the printer's manuscript that's correct um so still has all of the interesting bits there it is there it is um in in all its glory yeah. uh, you also use uh the chronicles of the children of aranek consisting yeah. of the book of jaranek and the book of rayanek yeah. that we yeah. will get to uh shortly there you go <laughs> Now, the Doctrine and Covenants, this is an interesting one. Right. So, on the website, it states that you use the 1835 edition of the Doctrine and Covenants right. because that is the only edition that has been voted on by the congregation of the church right. um, and uh, passed, which seems, yeah, right. Um, right. And, the, and then you list... A whole bunch of sections that you don't accept and you say that they were put there by the utah church in yep. order to legitimize different things with brigham young 
and yeah. uh, and different things that were going on. Okay. Right. My yeah. question would be, so I've been through all the sections and my only, well, my question would be what makes the exception because, so we've got the, if we cut it off at 1835, Joseph didn't die till 1844. So there were revelations still happening for the, the next nine years. Right. The next version of the Doctrine and Covenants came in 1844 and it was announced in, oh, let me get it right. I want to get it right. Um, so uh, a notice dated the 11th of June, 1844 and published the next day in the Narvi neighbor announced optimistically that a book of Doctrine and Covenants will be published in about one month's time. Right. Uh, and those wishing never to happened, order. Which never happened, by the way. Yeah, it didn't come until September because Joseph and Hiram died uh, later that that on the twenty seventh of June later that month. Right. So, but it was in process. It wasn't as I guess quick as it is now. It had been years in the process. So my question would be, why don't you use the eighteen forty four version instead of the eighteen thirty five version? And why do you use some revelations? post 1835 and not others like uh I'll, I'll just give you the section 119 in the lds version is the tithing section uh that was given the 8th of july 1838 section 124 uh, which was joseph smith telling the members to leave missouri due to the extermination order and that was the 19th of January, 1841. And I assume they're in there because you've not put on the website that they're not there, if you know what I mean. Right, right. So, so I, I've not without, got an actual... Right, without going through the entire Doctrine and Covenants, which will be very tedious tonight, yeah. um, there are sections in... What, what we basically did is we, we basically took the... Um, the, the the basic text of the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants, which we know is the only Doctrine and Covenants to be uh, re uh, uh, voted on and sustained by the entire body of the church. No other, no other Doctrine and Covenants that happened to prior to uh, post-1835. Okay. Um, um, so we took the basic text of that, okay? And then um, we also included in the Doctrine and Covenants, some letters, or uh, uh, they call them epistles of Joseph Smith, for example. Um, uh, like, for instance, section 127, an epistle from Joseph Smith, Nauvoo, September the 1st, 1842. Because it's, it's uh, Joseph Smith wrote it, okay, and there's evidence he wrote it. Um, for example, the reason we don't have section 132 is there's no evidence Joseph Smith ever wrote that. The certain, uh, this is this is what I'm saying. I mean, I know people are going to disagree, and then they're going to say, "Well, we know he wrote it, but you know, and it was burnt, and it was suddenly found." And, uh, there's no evidence that Joseph Smith wrote that. Uh, there's no book of there's no there's no doctrine and covenants uh, post 1835 that includes that revelation until. The establishment of, of of the what I would call the Brighamite LDS Church. Okay. 
uh, which, which, and to be fair, their first printing of the Doctrine and Covenants was done here in the UK. It wasn't done in America. And, and, and that's when they took out the section on marriage. That's when they took out the, the, the affidavit from the Relief Society about plural marriage. Uh, so the revelations that are not included in the 1835, in our Doctrine and Covenants, are revelations that appeared in the, I can't remember what it was now, don't quote me on this because dates aren't exactly my forte, I think it was something like the 1856, 57 or something like that. It's okay, uh, I, I think you've answered the question, um, so I guess what I was looking for was what was your format for putting things after 1835 into the your doctrine and covenants and something that... that i could go yeah something i could go to for instance the times and seasons which is an exceptional resource okay which was printed by the church uh in joseph's time and you could you could say in the times and seasons that's where that document is now it wasn't put in the, the, the doctrine and covenants because they didn't print a doctrine and covenants it was left in the times and seasons and if you if we that's that's basic format but if we look at the revelations received uh, it, it, most of the the bulk of the revelations for the Doctrine and Covenants were received in in Kirtland anyway. I think it's something like what 46, 47, and there was only there's only a handful, uh, three, four that were received in the Nauvoo period. Um, so anyone that says to me, oh, there was a load of revelations after 1835, 1836, 1837, um, I'm sorry, there's no evidence from the times and seasons to back that up, or okay. uh, from Joseph Smith himself. Now, of course, if you're an LDS member, well, you know, all bets are off, aren't they? Because you believe Brigham Young's a prophet, so everything he 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 said, Joseph Smith said, is relevant. Uh, we don't believe that. So, okay. Well, I just have one section I want to ask about, um, okay. and that section. is section thirteen. The Aaronic Priesthood oh, yeah. Restoration. Yeah, that's, that's Why, not in our Covenants. No. What was the... Because uh, that was like a big thing growing up. Because it uh, wasn't printed, because it wasn't put in the Doctrine and Covenants till years and years and years after Joseph Smith died. This was a revelation that Joseph Smith was supposed to have received very early on in his ministry. I don't know the exact date, but very, very early on. And it never made its way into the first printing of the Doctrine and Covenants. That to me tells me something. Either it wasn't important enough or it didn't exist. And the first printing of that revelation in, in section 13, if I'm correct, and I think I am, didn't occur until the printing of the Doctrine and Covenants in Liverpool. So you're talking about the 1850s. So if this revelation occurred in say 1829, 1829, why didn't Joseph, at the time of the printing of the 1835 Doctrine and Covenants, seem relevant and fit to put in the Doctrine and Covenants? It wasn't there. It wasn't there. It never appeared in his lifetime, ever. Now, I would agree in, with in, you. In, in codified scripture. I, I would say that it didn't happen, and that's why it wasn't there. Um, okay. That there are a lot of things that happened that came later in the church because you've you have accepted that you're learning as you go and sometimes yep. things change and you're quite happy to do that 
So sure. I, I'm assuming that was the same thing. And sometimes, sometimes I think that there was the uprising in the church and there was the possibility of Joseph being overthrown. So Joseph said, I've got this authority from John the Baptist or Peter, James and John, which means that only Joseph then has that authority and he can't be overthrown because not, no one else has got it. Um, sure. So, but we, we move on from the Doctrine and Covenants. Sorry, I said it was going to be a whistle, top, a whistle stop tour. <laughs> right. So, uh, um, the, the Book of Mormon for the printer's manuscript. And then we've got um, the inspired version of the Bible. We've already spoken that this is Joseph Smith's translation. Yeah. Have you come across the sections where because we know that there's a lot of the King James Version of the Bible in the Book of Mormon, almost, uh, right. almost verbatim. Right. So, so there are sections that then tally from 3rd Nephi, when Christ visited the Nephites. We've got um, the words of Jesus in the Americas. Seven then we've got the, this, yeah. Yeah, the same words in Matthew, yeah. but then the inspired version has different words. No? I don't know what to say to that. I don't. Okay. I don't know what I would. I mean, I, I can. I can probably. I could probably explain um, what Christ was doing using the same language in the Book of Mormon as he did in the, in the Old World, but it would be probably irrelevant to most of your viewers because, yeah. you know, um, all I know, and I will testify to this, is that um, the inspired version of the Bible, although it wasn't printed in Joseph's day uh was due to be printed and it was a finished complete manuscript it wasn't it wasn't as people think it was a completed finished manuscript that was preserved by emma and um i think um it clarifies a lot of misunderstandings that we find in the king james version of the bible what that process was for joseph i i couldn't say why okay. that process took place or how it took place Okay. I don't know if anyone's ever read the inspired version of the Bible, I mean, even if you're a skeptic of Joseph Smith and the, and the Restoration, I would encourage you to read the whole thing. Because, I mean, just take the Gospel of John, for example. It starts completely differently. Yes. Majorly differently. I mean, it's not just like one or two lines. It's major. And the whole, the, the first seven chapters, for instance, of the inspired version are completely different to King James. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Okay. Well, moving on then. Um, a, another omission, I might have just missed it, is the Pearl of Great Price. Uh, yeah. So, book, book of Abraham, Book of Moses, and Joseph Smith history. Right. Okay. Yeah. But we don't we don't use the uh, Book of Moses because we don't need to because it's in the inspired version of the Bible. That's what I thought. Um, um, uh, and then we don't we don't use the Book of Abraham for lots of reasons. And, and Joseph Smith history, we have our own version taken from the Wentworth letter. Yes. The so, Book of Abraham, though. It's problematic for lots of people. Oh, no, it is. Yeah, I know. I'm, yeah. I'm just, it's, it's one of the, the seminal works of Joseph were the Book of Abraham, Supposedly. the Book of Mormon, Supposedly. and the Doctrine and Covenants. Right. 
Do you think if someone you, else wrote the Book of Abraham? I, I mean, just just me. You're asking me. I don't believe Joseph had a hand in that at all. Okay. Well, that's what. Yeah, that's what we were asking. So, that's. I don't believe Joseph had a hand in that at all. So. Asked and answered. Um, something I was really impressed with um, was your rejection of Easter. And not the rejection of the holiday, but the fact that you've actually pointed out what we're all pointing out to LDS people every year, that it's a pagan ritual and that Easter was the goddess of new life and that they band around these Easter conferences and things. So you've right. rebranded that new Passover. Yep. And that's, so that's, are... a very early, that's a very early thing in the, the organization of the, the branch. Um, of, um, but yeah, I mean, I was basically told by by the Lord himself, this isn't pleasing the way we're doing this. This isn't pleasing to me. It doesn't honour me in any way, shape or form. So uh, it would please me greatly if you didn't and you observed it differently. Okay. Uh, and that's 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 what we we do. We, we mark it differently. So. so what about Christmas? Yeah. Yeah, I know that I, I know that the, the name Christmas is uh, a Christian name, but the yeah. the date of the festival, etc., is uh, not a uh, Christian. You know. Yep, I understand that. It's totally totally a pagan festival. I understand that. Well, um, if, you, if you do change it, make sure that you yeah. put PD on it and say that you got that. <laughs> one. You got that one from me. Yeah, don't, I'll definitely don't... do that. Don't go saying that Jesus came tonight. It was me. <laughs> no, no. It came all from right. you. That's it. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. We'll move on. So they're the, the standard works that you use. I've got a note here on Book of Mormon Geography. You subscribe to the Heartland model uh, rather than yeah. hemispheric. We do. Um, so that the, the Book of Mormon took place in uh, the central the heartland of the eastern united states around right. where uh joseph the hill Cumora, etc um yes. there are issues yeah. but that's not what we're here to talk about tonight so joseph smith we know that you uh use the wentworth letter for the first vision story so oh. that is um with the two personages and you, you also uh, i failed to mention earlier the doctrine and covenants for anyone that wasn't aware uh, the lds church these days only actually has the covenants part of the doctrine and covenants originally <laughs> the doctrine part was the lectures on faith and it was right. i think around the 1920s they took the lectures on faith away because they say something problematic for LDS um, theology, and that is about the personage of Heavenly Father, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Ghost, because um, being raised Mormon, a Utah Mormon, we're taught that God has a body, flesh and bone, so does Jesus, whereas in the lectures on faith, um, God is a personage of spirit, Jesus is a resurrected being, and the Holy Ghost, Matthew, is... The, the, the mind, identity. yes, it's, the, the it's, combined it's, mind of the two. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the Holy Ghost isn't a personage; right. it is 
when those two become one. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the, le the lectures on faith for us are, are paramount to be in there. So. Okay. Um, so you have given uh, the priesthood to the sisters. Am I correct? Um, yes. Those sisters that wish it. Yeah. Okay. And in what form? In in, in what? What do you mean? Which office you mean? The the Aaronic priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood. The uh, there's a question that... from right. Matthew Clark. He says, "Why only the Aaronic priesthood for the sisters?" Because I was told to only give them the Aaronic priesthood. 